Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Music, Money, and Life. Today, I'm super excited to be speaking with guitarist Josh Smith. And uh, real quick story in terms of how I discovered uh, you, Josh. I, um, I'm a guitar player as, as well, not quite at, at your level. Uh, but I think, I think I discovered you three or four months ago on YouTube. I was searching for guitar lessons. And you have this amazing lesson about how to how to make solos sound more jazzy. Do you know the, the the lesson that I'm referring to? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you have a number of lessons, but you have a lesson where you you describe very clearly in a very simple way how to sort of um, uh, um, impose different chords over like a one four five. Yeah. Uh, blues type type context so that's how i discovered you i went on to watch uh, hundreds of your videos you're an amazing guitar player and that's really why i wanted to to bring you on just because you're so good and i wanted to touch base with you find out more about your career what you're up to um so let me let, let's start here i read that you started playing guitar or you started gigging when you were six years old is that correct well, I started playing when I was six. Uh, I started gigging when I was 12, yeah. Okay, that makes a little a little more sense. Yeah, um, yeah not a lot of gigs for six-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> Probably it was not. hard to find gigs as a 12-year-old, too, but yeah, 12 was when I started getting out there and playing with adults. Nice. So where were you, where were you gigging at 12 years old? What types of Mars, gigs? man, around, I grew up in Florida, in South Florida, and um, it started for me by going to like open jams, where I'd, they'd have these blues jams, you know, and uh, I'd sign up on the list to, you know, get up and play a tune or two. And people obviously kind of responded because I was this little kid, uh, you know, and I was talented. And then some of the adults who frequented these jams or even hosted some of these jams started to see, you know, that people might be interested in seeing this kid play guitar so they started asking me to come to their gigs you know not their jams and play and next thing I knew I was getting paid to you know do these gigs and it kind of turned into a thing nice and if you don't mind me asking how old are you now how old are you I'm 39 but I'll be 40 next week so okay so yeah I really wanted to bring you on just because you're, you're such an amazing guitarist and and I consider you you know obviously a working musician so I, I kind of wanted to get a sense of what your what is what is it like for someone like you? You're a great musician. Obviously, the music industry is fraught with challenges. It's a hard industry. What is your career like at this point? How, how, do, you, how do you make a living? Do you make a living primarily as a guitarist? Or are you doing 
I know you, you do some producing as, as well. How does that work? Well, I mean, I make a living as a musician, um, but you have to be incredibly diverse uh, in all the different avenues that you can have money coming in these days. So I have spread myself very wide, um, you know, to, yeah, to have enough money coming in to have this be the only thing I've ever done. You know, you, again, since 12, yeah, I was in school then, but really since 17, when I graduated high school, I've done nothing but this, you know, this is my whole life. It's the only thing I've, only job I've ever had. So I've almost had, you know, three arcs to my career kind of, um, from 17 till 22. I know that's not a long time, but, uh, I did nothing but my own thing. I was in a van. I was self-producing albums and selling, you know, CDs at gigs and playing my thing, you know, my music, touring around the States and, you know, busting my butt as a young kid doing, you know, doing the work. Um, then at 22, I kind of, you know, as silly as it sounds, hit the wall a little bit and got frustrated. Um, I had been doing it really since 12, but full time since 17. And I just needed a break from like being a front man, trying to, you know, get, find a record deal and do all those types of things. So I moved to Los Angeles. And when I moved here to Los Angeles, I decided I was going to be just a guitar player. I was going to work as a guitarist. Um, I figured I was probably good enough to get gigs touring with other artists and hopefully do sessions and things like that. And so that's what I did. Sight unseen, packed up, moved with my wife to Los Angeles. And uh, it worked out, you know, for the next eight years, I pretty much did nothing but play other people's music or do sessions uh, and tour as a sideman. And that was great. It made me a way better musician. I learned all this stuff I never would have even thought about if I only had just done me forever. Um, so that was really cool. And it also gave me some, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It gave me some, you know, standardization. It kept things consistent, you know, money-wise at least. You know, yes, it's still very cyclical. The music business is so up and down that I'd have years where I did great and years where I just did okay. But at least it, was, it wasn't relying only on, you know, my name to, to kind of make things happen. So that was the next eight years or so until I was about 30. So that's about nine years ago um, or 10 years uh, ago. Maybe I was 31, 32. When all of a sudden it started to swing back around, my name started to get more popular, but it wasn't so much in the blues world anymore. It was, you know, with guitar players, guitar players, mm -hmm. guitar players but they started to have an interest in what I was doing and wanting to see me do my own thing or where was my new album and where was this and that. So little by little, I okay, oh, I'll do a new record, which was the first one I'd done in a while, things like that. And yeah, it slowly has built back to where now I spend, you know, 75% of my year doing my thing. And then when I do sessions, they're just ones that I do mostly here in my own studio where people mail me sessions. And then now, yes, I'm also, producing records for other people in my studio. Um, and then there's all the other extraneous stuff that you do to make a living, like the true fires and, uh, you know, putting your name on gear, helping design gears, promoting products, uh, all that type of stuff. So yeah, I've got money coming from here, 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 and here, but it's all now again, kind of swung back to being directly from my thing. So yeah. Nice. Was that, was that sort of your, I mean, it sounds like that was your goal all along. Are, are you, kind of happy that you're more focused on your own music now? Well, it was my goal when I was a kid, but I certainly 
let that go, you know, when I moved here. Um, and it's, it's been almost organic the way it's swung back now. But yes, it's gratifying because, you know, in my heart, it's what I've always wanted to do. But I'm so appreciative of the time I've spent doing the sideman thing and the session man thing because I feel it, it's made me a better me in my thing. So I wouldn't change it, you know. I wonder sometimes, like, you know, you know, I've known a lot of these guys my age since we were kids. So guys like Derek Trucks I grew up with in Florida, uh, Bonamassa, um, Eric Gales, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Johnny Lang. I've known all these guys for so long. And the biggest difference between me and most of those guys is none of them took a break. So even when it took them 20 years for it to pay off, like the way it has for Joe now, he only ever did Joe. Every So I wonder sometimes what would have been the difference, you know, but also I wouldn't be the musician I am now if I didn't do what I did. Yeah. I just, I find the music industry so strange and, and it's so fragmented. And the fact that I just discovered you a few months ago, I find very odd, right? Because there's so many great musicians out there, but it's, um, you know, unless you're constantly seeking it out, it, you know, it seems like it's hard, harder to discover musicians these days. What are your thoughts and this is one of the, I have a list of questions I wanted, wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts? I'm curious, you know, someone in your shoes, someone that has a level of success in the music industry, what are your thoughts on the current state of the music industry? Well, I mean, the way it is now, it, everything has to be completely earned off of your heart, your own hard work. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. fine, you know. But, you know, you have an, an opportunity to directly connect with your fans in a way that's never happened before, which is great. But it also puts a lot of pressure on the artists to, like, be so outgoing and to, to put themselves out there to a degree that, you know, all our heroes didn't have to do this stuff. You know, my hero didn't have to have an Instagram page to get people to show up at his show, you yeah. know, or crown, crowdfund his album, you know what I mean, and things like that. They just made music, you know, and people actually valued it and they got paid to do it. So um, it's a different world, you know, but it is what it is. You know, you live when you live and the, the world is what it is. And, you know, I wouldn't do anything different. So I, this is the world I'm in, you know. Yeah. And you're, you're making the most of it. So, so you said about 75% of your income comes from your own thing. Is that primarily from live shows? Is that also from streaming or do you do any licensing? Have you entered that world at all? Uh, I've done very little licensing. I'm trying to get more into that. Um, but no, I would say primarily it comes from gigs. Uh, a large chunk comes from the videos I've done for True Fire, Jam Track Central, Guitar Breakdown, instructional type material yeah. that people buy. Um, lately, the chunk that comes from gear that I endorse, but not just that I endorse, that I uh, help design and have my name attached to, like pedal that I was my idea and we sell, I get a percentage of that, a speaker, an amplifier. That started to add up. That's a good chunk every year of, of stuff. Um, and then sessions, you know, I still do a number of sessions where it's just me playing guitar for somebody. Um, so that's the biggest chunk of my income. And then I would say the second biggest chunk now is from uh, producing records for other people in my studio, you know, using my studio as a, a way to make money, not just for projects that I'm, that are mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. For other artists as well. 
Cool. And, and how, how important do you feel like moving to Los Angeles was for your, for your career? Uh, it was crucial in a few ways. Um, number one, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. It made me, you know, I'm not the most outwardly self-promoting type guy. And I'm also not lazy, but I'm not the kind of guy that just is always out there shaking hands and kissing babies and looking for work, you know, in every Avenue. I'm not that guy. But it made me kind of get out of that and go out every night when I first got here, shake hands, meet people, let people know what I can do. Um, so that helped me down the line to start to add some of that to my personality. And then, like I said, the biggest thing is it made me just a way better musician with so much more experience that I wouldn't have had. You know, doing sessions like real sessions uh, here in Los Angeles, you know, there's nothing that prepares you for that until you do it. And there's this learning curve for figuring those things out. And, the, you know, all those things have again made me much more of a professional and a well-rounded musician. Um, the other thing is I like the environment here, being surrounded by just great musicians all the time, you know, and also the diversity of the work that I get myself into. You know, yes, there's a lot of work in Nashville. Yes, there's some work still in New York and other places, but there's no place where you can, you know, every day play something so totally different uh, for a movie or a TV or a commercial or a record or, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it can be totally different here every day. And I, I like that about it. Yeah. And in terms of, of doing session work, um, obviously you've been out there a number of years and I'm sure you're fairly connected at this point. But how do you, so most of the listeners to my podcast are musicians and aspiring musicians. So I try to give as much sort of practical advice as possible in, sure. in, in these podcasts. How do you, or how would you in the beginning go about getting these types of, of gigs? Is it just sort of a word of mouth thing where people, I mean, at this point, I'm sure know you. How did that work, I guess, in the beginning? Yeah, at the beginning, it was all, you meet one person who, you know, brings you into play on their friend's project for a hundred dollars you know, but the bass player on that session is a, a real guy who does a lot of sessions. And then he'll recommend you for something. It may be a gig, not even a session, but he liked you. So he asked you to play a gig with him on his other friend's gig. And you meet this guy. And next thing you know, a actual producer has you in for something. And you do a good job. And it kind of just rolls from there, you know. Um, as far as touring stuff, a lot of that was meeting guys who are MDs, musical directors. Um, so, you know, they're just musicians just like anybody else, but they've held gigs for artists where they're the people who put together bands. And it's good to meet guys who do that regularly because they're always keeping a list of guys who might be right for whatever situation if they get hired as a musical director. So it just all steamrolls like that. The most important thing is putting yourself out there. I went out when I first moved here. I went on almost every night to different jams, to different yeah. people's gigs where I knew musicians who I knew as studio guys, but you know, it's still just a little club and, you know, playing a weekend gig cause they play for fun, you know, on weeknights and things like that. But I made myself go out, shake hands, meet people, hand over a CD or just let them know, Hey, I just moved to town. I play, I'm this kind of player or whatever, you know, and yeah, you have to really, really put yourself out there until things start to organically happen. Yeah. Was that hard for you? Because you said you're not naturally the most outgoing person. Was it, did you have to sort of, yeah, no, it was difficult for me. Um, the other thing is I love listening to music, but 
I don't, my favorite thing in the world is not to go hang out in a bar. Yeah. Uh, I don't drink. I've actually never drunk. Um, so unless music is going on, I'm really, really bored hanging out in a bar. So a lot of the times you're just sitting there waiting for the band to start. And I didn't know anybody yet. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, it was. It's, it took a little effort on my part to get me to go sit around like that and, and put myself out there and meet people. Yeah. Yeah. But you did it. You pushed through, and and you are where you are now. That that's awesome. What are your thoughts? I have sort of just some random questions about the music industry. I wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts on streaming? So obviously, people aren't buying music as much anymore. What is sort of your take on that aspect of the music business? Yeah. I've changed my tune on it a few times because uh, yeah. it keeps changing. Um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. There's no going back. So I do see the benefit in making some projects special. Like some things have to not just be free. You know, you can't just give everything away. Um, so I'm starting to reevaluate that aspect of, and maybe this does not go on Spotify, this project, you know, and maybe I, keep this closer to the vest, uh, you know, but it, it's just an unbelievable world. People go and record something today and immediately it's on Spotify, making them pennies, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, it's, it's weird because you want people to hear your stuff, but they have to wade through billions times more music than they've ever had to wade through before to find something they like right. because everybody's stuff is up immediately. You know, so it's really hard if you don't know who you're looking for to stumble onto things because, you know, this is going to sound terrible, but 90% of the stuff you stumble onto is going to be freaking awful because it's the whole world's musical output. Right. You know, yeah. when I was going to the music store when I was a kid, I didn't see mom and pop's CD that they made in their basement sitting there next to George Benson's CD. You know what right. I mean? It was like now it's when I go through iTunes, everyone is there, you know, and not all these people, you know, do I want to have to listen to, you know? So yeah. it's weird. It's just a weird world where there's so much information available. I think now there's a, a benefit to taking some things and like, you know what, this is not available here and I'm not going to hype the hell out of it and add a trailer for every song for my record and basically give it away before it's even out because you're devaluing all the effort that you put into making this project, you know? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't promote it, it's just, no one's yeah. going to hear about it. It's, it's just really, really a, hard to figure out the right things to do. Yeah. It's a bit of a catch 22, right? It, it, it's like the good news is there's no barrier to entry, but the bad news is there's no barrier to entry. And like you said, everybody can sort of throw their hat in the ring. So you have to, it's really, really difficult to figure out what the correct way is. Yeah, you to to promote yourself, you know. Well, well, it's it seems like I mean, obviously, live performances are one thing that cannot be, you know, given away for free. How many dates? Yet, are you, are yet you, every lick I've played in the last seven years is on YouTube from every gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have an issue with that? Do you? Do you no, prefer, no, you know, I don't have an issue with it. But it is the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. I, I've found over the years, people are less and less surprised. When I go to a, a place for the first time, moments in a show that if you hadn't seen it on YouTube are surprising to an audience are less surprising because people yeah. have seen them on YouTube, you know? Because they've already seen it. 
Yeah, it's, it's funny. I sent my producer uh, a YouTube video of you and Eric Gales at the, um, the Baked Potato. Is that the, the, the name of the club? Yeah, Baked Potato. And it, and it was funny because my producer pointed out that there was a sign on the wall that said, no, no, no video recording, no, no yeah. filming. And obviously someone. What's funny is I have a, so I have a live album and Blu-ray that I shot at the Baked Potato that's coming out soon. And yeah, that sign is big in the back of the stage, the whole show. And you'll be watching it in 4K when I release it. There's no video. <laughs> yeah, so they obviously don't, uh, don't enforce that. So how, how, many, how, many, um, how many nights a year are you gigging? How, how often are you on the road? It's growing every year. Um, you know, I would say at this point, Normally, like 180 or something like that. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, next year should be more, you know. Yeah. But also, now I'm, I'm starting to look at things in a different way. I'm, I'm traveling a lot, but also like scheduling clinics on purpose on off days when I'm traveling because that really helps me um, with the budget on tour. Uh, I'll even sometimes teach lessons these days when I'm on, on the road just to help have extra income coming because touring while the most fun thing I can do and it's incredibly important to connect with fans and sell merchandise at the gigs and things like that. um, It's hard to make it pay for itself because the expenses are high. Yeah, no, that, that, that's interesting because I've, I've heard and read so much about fairly established bands still having a hard time, you know, recouping all the expenses that, that go into, into touring. So is, is touring at this point, is it profitable for you? Are you breaking even? How, how does that sort of work? I'm, I would say most of the time I break even. And the money that I make for myself comes mostly from CD sales and t-shirt sales. But like okay. the money you make from ticket sales and gig money is just enough to pay for the gas and the van. And if we flew in tickets and paying the musicians who are with me and things like that. Wow. And do you... Is that discouraging to you at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How could it? How could it not be? Yeah, I mean, I, it started to open my eyes to new ways to approach things, which is some of these shorter trips where I fly in. Uh, quite honestly, in the last two years, I've done so much flying in where I play with musicians who are in the towns that I'm coming to or the countries I'm coming to, so I don't bring guys with me. Now that's incredibly money saving and efficient, but also incredibly frustrating on a musical musical standpoint, you know, because I don't have guys that are my guys. I don't have, you know, all these things. So, um, I'm trying to figure out a way kind of around that, you know, to be able to bring guys I want to play with, pay them a fair wage and not go broke doing it. And that's very difficult. Um, but I've noticed, you know, that I need to start taking almost more risk on, which is such a difficult thing to do. But like on the gigs where I buy the room and sell the tickets myself, I end up doing way better. But I'm having to lay out money and bet on myself. Whereas when you're trying to book a tour and someone offers you a night and they say, we'll pay you $1,000, most of the times you have to say yes, because that's a guaranteed some guaranteed money in the pot. But odds are, if I would have, you know, bought the room from them for $500 and charged $25 a ticket, I could have made $2,000 or $2,500, you know? So it's just a difficult decision, but you got to lay out that money and be willing to take risk and 
So it's I'm balancing that all constantly and trying to find the best way to do this. Yeah, yeah. How many what is sort of an average draw for you at, at this point? How many people are, are coming out to your shows? Yeah, overseas, it's, you know, between two and 300. Uh, here in the States, it's still more like 150. That's so, it's so, just as a musician, one musician to another, that's so bizarre to me. Because like I, like I said, um, you're so good. And again, I want to sort of reiterate, that's why I wanted to bring you on this podcast, Josh. I sort of stopped doing this for a few months. I took like six months off of doing this podcast because I've been focusing on licensing. I've done like 95 episodes, uh, most of them focusing on licensing. And I just kind of, I, I feel like I, there wasn't much left to say. So I sort of had this epiphany that I should just reach out to people that I genu- genuinely want to, want to connect with and, um, and, and bring exposure to. So it's inspiring on one hand that, that you're doing it, but the fact that, I would think someone like you would have thousands of people. Like in my mind, you should be playing theaters. What is your sort of long-term goal? Where do you see yourself? And I know that's, that's sort of a cliche question, but yeah. do you see yourself reaching like the Joe Bonamassa level? Who, what, he's playing for what, like 5,000 seaters at this point? Is that sort of yeah. yeah. Well, Joe, you know, Joe's a great friend. And obviously we've worked together on certain yeah. things. And we have, you know, we know each other a long time. And he said, yes, it's a huge inspiration to see what he's done. Um, Especially, I mean, in in reality, he's done it all in the last 10 years. So as a, from 32 to 42. So it lets you know, hey, these things aren't completely out of reach, you know, for, you don't have to be a star at 20, you know, and blah, 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 and have the John Mayer happen to you or Gary Clark Jr. Um, You know, you can get there just by working your, freaking ass off for 20 years straight you know at the same time what joe is doing is a complete anomaly because there's no one else who even approaches his level in our world you know as far as success goes so would i like to reach that level yes but am i realistic yes um you know i'm gonna be 40 next week you know what i mean i've been doing this a long time the the level that I've reached now is a weird place for a musician because I've started to reach new amount of people through Instagram. And, you know, I have a following now, like a real following. Yeah. And it growing every six months. I feel a difference in the reach that I have and who I'm, I'm getting to, you know? And so when I go to new markets and people show up, it's, it's inspiring. Like I've never even been here and it's full, you know, it's a great gig. People are interested. Um, but to make the jump from that to what Joe's doing is an incredibly difficult thing um, because you need to take those risks I was talking about on a way, way, way grander scale, you know, and I'm trying to figure out small ways to do that. Um, but to answer your question, would I be happy? What would I be happy with or what is my goal? I want to get to just self-sustainment. And be, I want to be self-sufficient doing my thing, playing with the guys that I want to play with and have enough money to have everybody be smiling. Not to be rich, but at least to be like, you know what? We can afford to go uh, to fly to this gig. It's not that hard to, for me to accept this gig because, you know, they're not paying enough plus flights and this and that. Like, I, I just want to get it to where everything is self-sustaining and I can play with 
some of the same guys for a while, and it at least more does more than break even for a while, and I can just continue this ball rolling. Uh, it's really hard to even reach that, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's a it's a incredibly hard industry. Um, just having friends like Joe, I mean, that must be helpful in in terms of building your career. Has, has that been? Has he been helpful to you? I know that you guys have played together, and I've I've seen like the blues cruise videos where you guys jam together that that must be it's helpful because you know his audience is my target audience so anytime i can be put in front of all those people that's great you know so joe has at times gone out of his way to say nice things about me or certainly whenever we're in the same area town or whatever he'll have me sit in or whatever i mean we're friends uh and i like you know he respects who i am as a musician and what i do and also now we've started to work, work together on different records where we've produced. So like we produced Reese Winans record together last year. Um, and we're going to be producing two records for other artists next year together. Um, so we're starting to do certain projects like that together on a work basis. And that can only help, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember, um, I studied guitar at Berkeley for two years and my guitar teacher was friends with Steve Morse. And I was mm-hmm. nine, like 19 at the time. And I asked him something along the lines of, you know, cause he was talking about how hard it is to break, break into the music industry at, at a you know high level. And I'm like, but dude, you're friends with Steve Morris. Is, isn't, isn't he going to hook you up? And he's like, Aaron, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. He's like, you've got to, you got to pay your dues. You've got to put in the work, you know, no, people can open doors, but you have to walk through them sort of thing. Yeah. I get that question a lot about Joe. Like, why doesn't he, put you on his own label. Why doesn't he have you open for him? And it's like, dude, he's my friend. He doesn't have an obligation to me to do anything. You know what I mean? He does, you know, more than, than, than anybody can ask most of the time, you know, but it's not his job to make my career for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned that you're 39, I'm 45 and I've been an aspiring musician my, my entire life. How do you feel about, age because I sort of feel like there's two different music industries it seems like there's commercial pop music where age definitely is a factor you know I'm not going to be the next Justin Bieber you're not going to be the next Justin Bieber then then there is the I feel like there's this other sort of music industry where age isn't nearly as much of a factor it's more about musicianship it's more about you know paying your dues putting in the time how do you think about your career in terms of of getting older and, and, you know, your, your current age? Oh, it's a weird question. As far as age goes, I I don't spend a lot of time thinking so much like, you know, I'm not going to be like the hip guy who gets a big record deal and be a pop star. You know, uh, it's, you know, that stuff is for other people to, to worry about. I've never been the guy who cares like, you know, to wear the coolest clothes and, you know, like Gary Clark Jr. I look at that dude. He's just so fucking cool, you know, and he's great, you know, but he's young and good looking and cool. And, you know, I'm not that guy. I'll never be that guy. I'll never be John Mayer, you know, um, that's fine. Uh, the things about age that bother me are uh, over the years I've been, if, if I'm obsessed with anything, it's with being the best musician I can be and keeping myself uh, moving forward at all times. And that's the things I worry about with age. Will I be able to continue to do that? Will my playing start to slip? 
Um, and on a selfish level, will I reach a level of success that I'm striving for before my playing starts to slip? If it does slip, you know, and this is stupid stuff to worry about, but it is stuff I worry about because I've grown up seeing guys who, when I was a kid playing, they were 40 year old in their prime, killing it. And now they don't play the way they used to now that they're 60 something and I'm going to be 40, you know, and I don't want that to happen. Like I want to be like Les Paul playing till I'm 90 something with still, you know, some, some facility. And uh, so if there's anything I think about with age, it's mostly that type of stuff. Yeah. I've always been really, really obsessed with, with just being the best musician I can be and playing. And uh, so I don't want anything to change that. Yeah. What age do you, do you feel like that, that typically starts to happen for, for musicians? Have you seen? It's different for everybody. Yeah. I think it's how much you put into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like success too soon can actually be a bad thing as well. I mean, I've seen some of my favorite musicians. I, I won't name any, any names, but one of my favorite guitar players. All right. I'm just going to say it. I love the band Fish. Yeah. Are, you, are you into the jam scene at all? Not hugely into it, but yeah. I, I certainly know Fish and, you know, know Trey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and in the 90s, they were ph- phenomenal. And I, they're still a great band, but they're not, it's not what it used to be. You know, I think part of that is maybe just not putting in the, the hours. You reach a certain level of material success, and maybe you don't, don't feel the same drive, you know, that you did when you were on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is how, just how much do you play, you know? Yeah. I play every day, all day, you know, because I have to. Uh, I'll be unhappy if I don't. Yeah. You know, it's what makes me happy. So um, I do, I worry about those type of things. You know, and then and then it's just like the rest of the age thing is like, it's whatever, man. Everybody has to deal with it. <laughs> There's no uh, stopping it. It's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, no one, no one gets out alive. How many hours a day do you practice at this point? Uh, well, practice, practice isn't the right word. I do practice um, or just certain play. things. I practice certain things every day. But it might just be a specific moment, you know, something I'm trying to work on. But play, I play for hours every day. You know what I mean? Now, you could call that practice, but I may be not working on something specific. I may be writing a song. I may be playing just because I want to play, and it's really fun, and that's what I do. You know, to me, that's what's most important. Just how much do you play? You know, just put in the time. Just make sure you play all the time. I think that's what will keep you constant. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that maybe there's a sense that as you start getting more successful, you don't have to put in it as much as much time. I don't know, or maybe you just don't have the time. That's maybe I don't know that because I'm. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I don't know. Yeah. So I've a few more questions for you, Josh. Um, what is, so, and I'm sure this changes on a day-to-day basis, but what is like a typical day like for someone like, like you? What, what is, is it different every day? Do you have a routine that, that you stick to? What's yeah. a typical day like? No, it's totally different every day. Yeah. Especially when I'm here in town. Um, when I'm home, I've got my schedule is so random, you know, based on do I have to record something out in the studio for somebody? Um, in the last few weeks, I've had all these videos for Fender, you know, which are just basically sessions, but they're just hiring me to come to them and play, you know, all day and they video it. Uh, you know, I have stuff like that that just is on my schedule all the time on random days. Or 
I just literally flew home yesterday from Florida yesterday. I was in Tampa for two days shooting a new true fire course, you know, and the, all those things get scheduled in the, in the, you know, the gaps when I'm not on the road playing gigs, you know? So like my next two months are crazy. Like next week I track a big band record here. Then I fly to New York to play a gig and do a clinic and then go to Boston to play a gig and do a clinic. Then I fly home and produce a record for a young guitar player here at my studio. And then I fly to Dallas to do two gigs and two clinics and then come home. So it's like, it's just a bunch of stuff, random stuff all over and over again. Yeah. So it, it, it sounds like, because you said that you're more or less breaking even on the touring, but you're, you're making a living. It sounds like from doing clinics, from doing production work, do you look at all of this work? Is it all connected? And do you look at all of this as sort of an investment into your long-term career? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All these things just help spread my name, you know, and people's awareness of what I do. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would, like you said, you just heard about me, right? A few months ago. And it's like, I'll get messages from people who they're like, I'm a huge fan of your playing and have never owned one of my records. They only know me from that pedal show or the Andertons online or, you know, some video they saw of me playing with somebody. And it's like, they'll ask me how many records I have or do I sing? I'll get that a lot. Do you sing? Yeah. You know, or you're just a guitar player. And I'm like, you realize I have like 11 albums where yeah. I sing, con- you know, it's like, so yeah, it's interesting sometimes how people find out about you. And, you know, they've got these blinders on where they saw you in this setting and that's what they think of you as, you know? So yes, any of this stuff I can do will bring people in to, you know, hopefully hearing what my main thing is, which is my music. Yeah. Yeah. We should mention, or I should mention, by the way, that Josh is also a great singer. I'm sort of emphasizing your, your guitar playing. When did the singing, were, did you, were you always a singer growing up or did that come later? No, it came, I mean, I started right away. Like at 14, I started to realize I need to at least attempt singing, you know, to, if I ever want to be the guy out front, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would, it was painful and I started doing it, you know, and, uh, it's been a long road to feel very comfortable as a singer because guitar playing has always come naturally to me and I felt comfortable doing it. And singing was not the same. Singing is a lot of hard work to make myself feel like a, even just decent singer, you know? Um, so yeah, it's been a lifetime of working on, on the singing yeah. side. Now it's funny you say that I, I feel this the same way. I've, uh, I've been singing for over 20 years, but it's, 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 um, it's taken a, a lot of work to feel somewhat comfortable with, with my singing. Yeah. I mean, I just, I struggle with being like a very outgoing singer personality wise or yeah. uh, improvising singing. I tend to, I have good pitch, but when I tend to sing, start singing a new song, once I sing it in a certain way, I lock in and I can repeat that hundred out of a hundred times I'll sing it exactly the same in good pitch you know but it's not maybe necessarily the most exciting thing but I'm playing guitar at the same time and when I improv I'm hearing it in these I'm not always hearing it coming out of my mouth so I struggle sometimes with that to the to the point where now I'm trying to practice singing without even holding my guitar and force myself to sing more like 
a non-guitar player would on some mm, occasions. Sort yeah. of like a BB King approach where you're... Well, no, no, more like a Otis Redding approach. I'm just mm. pretending I'm standing out there with a mic only. I got you. So that if I hear an improvisation, I'm forced to sing it, not play it. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, listen, I just have a few more questions for you. I want to, again, just thank you for taking the time to, to do yeah, this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Um, speaking of B.B. King, you did I read that, that you, you, opened, you opened up for B.B. King for several shows? Yeah. Did you, did you perform with him as well, or was it just... I never got to actually play with him. I just okay. got to open up for him for two, two uh, tours of Florida, two years yeah. in a row, because he would come down and tour Florida... Um, every year and uh, the guy who was the promoter of those events hired me to open both runs so two years in a row so I got to be around him for you know 10 days straight two years in a row and just kind of you know see number one I mean he was my hero still is but number two just see the way that he interacted with people uh, the professionalism of the organization um, and just just to soak that in as a 17 and 16 year old you know guy was was magical for me yeah wow did you you obviously met him did, did you spend oh yeah no I met him right away the first time and then you know that whole tour I got to speak with him be around him yeah. you know and uh, yeah it was incredible you know because he was incredibly professional uh, incredibly outgoing to fans and to everybody, you know, and, you know, he, he was diabetic. So quite often he would be, um, his blood, blood sugar would be low and he would need something to eat. He wouldn't be feeling great, but man, after the show, he'd sit there shaking everybody's hand, signing every autograph, no matter how he felt, you know what I mean? And it was, it made a major impression on a teenage guitar player. Nice. Um, Awesome. Well, listen, a couple more questions. Um, okay, here's a question for you. We've sort of touched on this throughout the, the interview, but how, and again, like I said, most of my listeners are musicians or aspiring to be mu- musicians. What is your advice in terms of staying motivated in the music industry? Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, obviously you have to love it, and obviously you do, and you, you need to be good, and you need to, to, to put in the hours, but how does someone like you, because again, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, Josh, I just feel like it, it's somewhat sad to me that you're not further along. And I just, I only say that as a testament to your, to your talent. Hey man, I feel, you know, it's, it, it would be a lie if I said I didn't have those same thoughts like everybody else does. If I don't get frustrated, you know, I do, I get frustrated as heck all the time, you know, as silly as it sounds for you know, someone who's 39 and I guess still relatively not that old, you know, I've put my entire, I mean, you're, I've been doing this 26 straight years, almost full time, you know, and, uh, you know, so yes, it's hard to sometimes stay motivated and to keep from reaching levels of frustration that just shut you down, you know, but at the same time, there's nothing else in this world I'm built to do. Like I'm made to do this, you know, and there's nothing else I enjoy more. So even when I'm pissed off about things, when I pick up my guitar for that little moment, all is right in the world. You know what I mean? You just kind of got to, you know, 
you just kind of kind of almost sign off on the fact that this is either you're meant to do this or you're not, you know, not everybody is meant to do this. You know what? I also wanted to play second base for the Yankees, but I wasn't good enough. You know, it's like, you know, just because it was my dream, just like this doesn't mean it's going to happen, you know, and I was smart enough to realize that and put more of my focus on the guitar, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I've known a lot of guitar players through the years and just musicians in general who struggle with depression, you know, because they feel like, and it's a, this is a quite common thing in creative people in general, yeah. creative people, you know, are, you know, used to people telling them they really enjoy what they do. And you get, you get a high from that, you know, from, from people you don't know, strangers reaching out to you and telling you they enjoy this thing you do, whatever your talent is. Um, but you can start to rely on that too much for your own self-worth, you know, and guys, you know, also start to get bummed out if they think they're not getting their due and they see other people have this success and why is that not me? You know, I could be that guy. I could look at my friend Joe, who I talk to most days, and be like, oh, you just bought another guitar? That's great, bro. Uh, don't text me that, you know? But yeah. I don't feel that way, you know, because I'm happy for him and his success, and I know the amount of hours that he has put in. He's put in the time and paid his dues, and he deserves all that he gets because of the hard work he's put in. His world is his world. My world's my world. Your world is your world. You just have to stay confident that things will work out, which is a hard thing for everybody to do. And just really make the conscious decision. Am I in this no matter what or not? And I am, I am in this no matter what. So maybe it never pays off in the way that I thought I would when I was a kid. Maybe I'll never be on the cover of guitar player, which stupid or not, was one of the, it was one and is still one of the most important things to me. I wanted to be on the cover of that fucking magazine since I'm seven years old, you know, but you know, it's not going to stop me from continuing, continuing to do this. Cause this is what I do. Yeah. Well, I, I have a feeling you'll get there. I really do. Um, <laughs> and again, I wanted to bring you on just because I'm so impressed with your, your guitar playing and, and your music in general. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I think this is a great note to, to stop on. Um, Let's do this. What I like to do, Josh, is at the end of every podcast, I like to play one of the songs. I like to feature one of the songs from the guest that I have on. So if you could, after we stop recording, send me a track, any track, you can sure. either decide now or you can just send it to me later. But I want yeah. to play. I, it's, it's actually better if you tell me the name of the track now so that I can tell people which uh, track they're going to hear. I hate to I'll send you uh, my hit. Uh, Penance from the Inception album. It's an instrumental song, but for some reason it's the one, I think of any song I've ever written, uh, it's the one that gets the most attention and uh, people really seem to love. Cool. So we will end the podcast with Penance by, by Josh Smith. Um, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you? What is your website address? And it's joshsmithguitar.com because uh, someone else already had joshsmith.com and it wasn't a basketball player. So I don't know. It's, there's nothing on it, but anyways, um, yeah, joshsmithguitar.com. And of course also Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. You know? Awesome. I will link to all your, your websites below the podcast and below the, the YouTube video. Um, one or two final questions. 
Do you have any, I'm in Chicago. Do you have any Chicago dates coming up? I don't have any coming up. I'm working on probably coming there in early next year. Okay. Uh, I'm working on it right now. It would probably be for like a couple of gigs and a clinic type thing, like these short trips I've been doing. But awesome. unrelated, I think I will be in Chicago in November for a few days for a work thing. So, cool. Well, feel, yeah, feel free to get in touch. I'd love to connect with you, you know, in, in any way possible. And then my other question was, I know you mentioned you still do some teaching. If I or anybody listening to this, I'd love to take a, 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 a few lessons with you. How much, uh -huh. how much teaching do you do at this point? It's difficult with my schedule. Yeah. Um, uh, and Skype lessons are already, there's always like a, a weird like frustration with them because you yeah. can't play together and, and scheduling is hard, especially so many of the people who want to take lessons from me are in other countries and time zones. Um, so it's sometimes difficult, but the best way is to reach out to me through my website. There's a contact button for lessons and it's just a matter of, Hey, let's, if I can find, you know, one here, one there, then I'm happy to do that when time allows. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, I'd love to do that at, at, at some point if, if your schedule permits. Um, awesome. In the meantime, everybody check out Josh's websites, check out his music, check out all. There's a lot of YouTube videos of Josh's playing. Again, amazing guitar player. And uh, thanks so much for, for doing this, Josh. I really Thank appreciate Thank you very it. much, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. And let's, let's keep in touch. Okay, I'll email you that track. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. Have a All great right. day. Bye. Yep.